You know, we live in a, we live in a society governed by rules, by laws, by norms. And just because someone wants to be able to throw their tent up underneath I-5 and, uh, you, know, you know, live the way they want to live without regard to others doesn't mean that we as a society have to put up with that. That's the voice of today's guest, the Honorable Rob McKenna, who served two terms as Washington State Attorney General. I'm Jeff Schulman, a marketing professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. And today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast continues shining the spotlight on one of Seattle's most pressing issues homelessness. Today's episode brings you perspective from inside one of Seattle's tent cities and from someone who sat in one of the highest offices in the state. In addition to Rob McKenna, you'll hear from Walter Hudson. I feel displaced more and more and more marginalized because I realize certain certain, uh, elements of society are much more successful than others and others don't really have the capacity or potential for that kind of success. These interviews give you insight into life on the streets in Seattle and ideas for how to address the growing public health crisis. Previously in this season of Seattle Growth Podcast, you heard from King County Executive Dow Constantine. I know that folks are tired of seeing tents on the street. They're tired of finding people asleep in their doorways in the morning. Uh, I work downtown every day. I'm well aware of it. And you heard from a parent who credited Mary's place with saving his family. So, I mean, I had even had to panhandle for a few times to pay for my motel room. So I was always a shy person growing up. And, I don't know, it's just something I, I would never want to do again. First time in my life I would have ever had to do that. It was a hard thing to do, really hard. This season of Seattle Growth Podcast is all about bringing diverse perspectives together in a constructive dialogue about an important issue affecting us all. Before we get to my conversation with the 2012 Republican nominee for governor, Join me for a five-minute conversation with Walter Hudson, who I met inside one of Seattle's tent cities earlier in my Seattle Growth Podcast journey. I'm here at Tent City 6 with Walter Hudson. Walter, thanks for meeting with me today. Uh, How long have you been at Tent City 6? I've been here since they opened last month. And where were you before you were at Tent City 6? I've been over Tent City 3, over in the University District. And where were you before Tent City 3? Before that, I was in um, random locations in the city. I came here in 2010, I think it was, from Flagstaff, Arizona, where I'd been to visit the Grand Canyon. And from there, I came from Bristol, Virginia, by way of Amtrak. And from there, I came from Lynchburg, Virginia, where my home was. And how'd you choose Seattle? Well, I've studied a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and I'm interested in topography and geography, and I know about the big Puget Sound, Mount Rainier, and since I've been here, I've learned a lot of other things that I didn't know, and so with the San Juan Islands, it gave me an opportunity to more or less explore the area. How, uh, how is it living in the tent city? Share, share a little bit about your experience. Each tent city is unique in its location and uh, unique in the number of people that are housed in the tents. And so there's a diversification, there's a diversification of uh, people, racially, not particularly religiously, but uh, politically in thought. And so how do you find yourself living in the tent city what what brought you to this point here 
Well, I'm, I was on my way to Alaska because I'd been to 48 contiguous states and uh, 48 capital, state capitals, and I went to Alaska recently for the first time and finished my journey by going to Hawaii to the Capitol building. Uh, just uh, educational reason, not necessarily political reason. And so I decided to stay here in Seattle and later catch the ferry boat from um, Bellingham up to home Alaska and then continue my journey from there. But I found there's some more opportunities here than you can find in a little place like Lynchburg, Virginia. So I stayed here out of interest in the um, Woodland Zoo and the aquarium down there and the Space Needle and the ferry boat system and the light link rail system. And if I go on, I'll think of a lot of other things. And a lot of things, well, this tall building over here, a lot of things that I haven't done that I'd like to do, but I'm not in an economic situation where I can go into the better places in town and uh, uh, socialize with strangers. So I, I'm interested in it because I'm uh, having that people low profile and staying in the lower part of town and introduce myself to people that are not as advantaged as others are and so far I, I found I can get by with it and stay alive and so it's an interesting learning experience and that's why I'm staying here. And, and what are the resources that Tent City 6 has provided for you? Well, uh, a place to sleep mostly and insight into churches and locations where people can go and get free meals. It's again an opportunity to accept a little responsibility of what's called the Executive Committee EC and I'm getting to learn more and more about people from being, living with real people on the street rather than looking out of a car window or storefront or home and watching the world pass me by. And what would you be doing if Tent City was not a resource that was available to you? I'd probably go on. And what changes have you seen from your vantage point here in Seattle in the last five years? construction boom, boom mostly and the buildings I saw when I came in wanted to go in have all been put behind like I am uh, with the new construction coming up and they're becoming historic sites and they've only been around 30 years <laughs> and so uh, I haven't really been able to get into anything higher than the atrium and the Columbia was that Columbia building yeah that's as high as I've gone so far and so how do you feel about the changes you're seeing around you I feel displaced more and more and more marginalized because I realize certain, certain uh, elements of society are much more successful than others and others don't really have the capacity or potential for that kind of success so they're becoming more and more marginalized. What else are you seeing around you that's affecting you personally as uh, Seattle's changed in the last five years? I've learned my way around and uh, what I know is out on the streets and the uh, the grid of the city and not the in, in, inside of the city and so that doesn't change that much you know that that's still the same the streets are still the same what do you think it is that uh, is having you feel marginalized well seven hundred dollars a month is all I'm getting and so I don't I don't have the money that from that to buy a nice suit and go into a nicer clubs and fraternize and learn my way around and well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. It was nice to meet you. Okay. Uh, best of luck to you. I hope I helped you some. Very much. With a growing number of individuals living on the street and in tent cities, the region is in need of solutions. For one perspective on how to address the challenge, join me as I sit down with Rob McKenna. 
I am here on the University of Washington campus with an alum and the Honorable Rob McKenna, a two-time, a two-term Attorney General for the state of Washington and 2012 Republican Governor uh, nominee. Uh, Rob, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Jeff. So why don't we start? We're here to talk about homelessness and the, the challenges facing Seattle, but let's start with what do you look back most fondly upon during your years in public service for the state of Washington? It is undoubtedly the best opportunity you can have to make a difference in your state and your community. Uh, you know, on the county council and as attorney general, I could focus on issues that really mattered to my constituents uh, and to my own family and try to find solutions, whether the problem was, you know, child welfare, you know, children being abused, methamphetamine trafficking, human trafficking, uh, transportation challenges when I was on the county council. Uh, you know, all those issues are challenges for our community that you can have a more direct impact on when you're uh, in a position of responsibility like county council or attorney general. And so what have you been doing since uh, your time as a public servant? I'm still very involved in the community on nonprofit boards and uh, I'm still involved in politics supporting great candidates uh, but I uh, spend uh, the majority of my waking hours practicing law uh, helping uh, companies and individuals navigate state government whether they're dealing with the state attorney general or uh, a regulatory issue with an agency or uh, have uh, a case in front of the court. Uh, I, for example, I represent the Washington State Charter School Association. So um, I'm busy as a lawyer, I have a, a thriving practice, but I'm always looking for opportunities to give back to the community as a volunteer as well. And now you live in Seattle and Seattle is facing a, a big challenge these days. What are you noticing with regards to homelessness? Well, like everyone, uh, it seems like the problem is worse. That's because it is. And we know from the data that we have one of the most significant problems with homelessness in the country, certainly on the West Coast. Uh, and it's alarming that it is, uh, it is getting worse in the midst of one of the best economies we've ever seen. I think it's the best economy I've ever you know, lived in, frankly. Our GDP growth as a state is twice the national average. Uh, unemployment in King County is, is basically zero. We're at a full employment economy. Uh, this is a really good time economically, and yet we see a disturbingly large number of people who are clearly uh, in distress, who are not sharing in that success, uh, and we need to figure out how to help more of them. What should the, the people of Washington, the, the government of Washington, the business of Washington, I'll let you start with any of anybody involved here in the city or the state, what do you think should be done? Well, as everyone who's studied the problem will tell you, this is a problem that has uh, many contributing factors. Uh, we can start with uh, the high cost of housing. So the first thing we need to do is to focus intently on expanding the supply of housing all types of housing, uh, apartments for sure, but we need to revive the condominium market as well. We need to give a, play, uh, a place for people who want to own their home to move into after they've, you know, they're done with living in a single family home and free up that housing stock for younger families with kids. Uh, we need uh, more apartments for very low income people. You know, there used to be something called an SRO uh, back in the day. That's a single room occupant hotel. We don't need those now, but we need small apartments. Uh, as part of the solution. Uh, we need more tent cities uh, to be available for people who want to live in a safe, regulated environment that's uh, you know, in that even lower cost setting. So that's number one. Number two, uh, we have been underinvesting in this state in mental health treatment for a very long time. Uh, so we need to step up our investments from mental health treatment because clearly some number of people who are homeless are suffering from mental illness. And number three, there has to be uh, a more concerted effort to address substance abuse. 
I think, though, as a conservative, we also need to, uh, you know, draw a line in some places. I don't agree with the policy that you can camp anywhere you want as long as it's not private property and as long as it's not a park. Most cities don't permit that. And not surprisingly, we see a lot more people who don't want to live in a tent city because they don't want the regulation, who uh, don't have access to other kinds of housing. So they just throw their tent up wherever they want. And it, it be, it's become a real problem for local communities. Um, to me, you know, you know, living on that kind of public property is, uh, uh, infringes on the public's right to enjoy that property in common uh, without it being uh, you know, you know, made dangerous and filthy. And uh, as I say, most communities don't allow it. New York doesn't. Uh, most big cities won't. For some reason, Seattle tolerates it. And as a result, we're getting a lot more of it. So what do you think should be done for the people camping in these public places? They should be given other options. Uh, there, are, uh, there are shelters. M- many times these days, the shelters are not full at night. Uh, we can create more tent cities that are regulated. And I know that, that critics are listening to this and say, well, some of those people won't, don't want to live in those tent cities. They want to be able to do their drugs. They want to be able to live the way they want. Well, too bad. You know, we live in a, we live in a society governed by rules, by laws, by norms. And just because someone wants to be able to throw their tent up underneath I-5 and, uh, you know, you know, live the way they want to live without regard to others doesn't mean that we as a society have to put up with that. We should provide alternatives, and those alternatives should not only include housing, but drug treatment and uh, the other services, which are now being offered to folks. But, uh, but what we're doing now is evidently not working because we send, we send teams out of police officers and social service workers and uh, they have a relatively low success rate because people are allowed to live, as some of them say, autonomously, uh, you know, on the public right of way uh, and, and whatever way they want. Talk through some of the various constituencies about what that kind of policy, what you think that would mean for them. It would be better for everybody, uh, including the people living in those tents, frankly, uh, empowering them to live in, live in filth and, uh, you know, buy and use hard drugs like heroin. Uh, I don't think that's humane. Just like letting people who are obviously clinically mentally ill wander around without treatment is not humane. Uh, you know, we've moved away from, from uh, institutionalizing people, but we haven't replaced that with enough options that, that help them stay off the street and stay on the meds that they, in many cases, should be taking. Um, it would be better for neighborhoods and better for small businesses. It would be better for our city, and I say our city because I live in Seattle now, uh, if uh, we didn't permit what most cities do not permit which is the kind of, of, uh, of tents springing up on public rights away all over the place. Uh, most cities just don't allow that. They provide other options instead, uh, but they don't allow people to abuse the public right of way and public property. And so how would you respond to critics of those kinds of proposals that say uh, it's inhumane and it's ineffective and it would just spend money to shuffle them around, but it doesn't solve the problem. I would argue with them that what, they're, what the policy they're advocating for is the policy which is not humane. What's not humane is, you know, giving people options, but also asking people to adhere to rules and norms. You know, this is, this is not an anarchy that we live in. This is an organized society, and we, we have a right to expect people to live according to basic norms. That's number one. Number two, what they're doing with the policies they're advocating are clearly failing because we're seeing the problem get worse and worse. If what they were advocating was effective, it should be getting better, and it's clearly not. Number three, we can look at the experience of lots of other cities, cities that are certainly not conservative bastions like New York City, and we can, we can see them and, and other cities as well that are more effective 
uh, and how they uh, how they op provide options, whether that's Salt Lake City, New York City, uh, you, you, you name it. Most cities don't do what we're doing, and they're getting better results than we are. And now you've spoke of a couple of proposals that you'd like to see, you know, more housing, uh, better mental health care. Where does where does those solutions come from? Is that government funded, market based? What do you think they should come from? The housing can will come from the market. You know, we're not going to build our way out of this just by government. I think there is room for the city to bond against, uh, you know, its increasing revenues when it's seeing huge increases in revenues these days to build more subsidized public housing. We did that in, in great amounts after World War II and we had a severe housing shortage. Uh, so we should be looking for opportunities to do that today as well. I'm a big fan of projects like uh, Holly Park down in the uh, uh, off of Rainier Avenue for an MLK. Uh, you know, there is definitely uh, a need for more subsidized public housing, but we also need to add a lot more private sector housing. Uh, you know, we're, the problem is that uh, the policymakers aren't um, adopting or modifying policies to encourage housing development at a fast enough rate. Uh, we are seeing a lot of apartments being built in Seattle. That helps because it increased supply inevitably will reduce cost. But we need to see more of that uh, in, in, in every city in our area, more multifamily housing. We need more condos, more townhomes, uh, and uh, more single family. Uh, we're a growing area, so we're going to have to have, we're going to have to make more land available for, uh, for those kinds of housing options at, at every income level and uh, of every type of housing. Ultimately, expanding supply is the answer to keeping more people from becoming homeless who become homeless simply because they cannot afford a place to live. And do you have any lessons from your two terms as Attorney General for the state of Washington that might help the city of Seattle and the King County region address this big challenge we're facing today? Uh, I was very frustrated as AG that the state wasn't doing more to address substance abuse and mental health issues. Uh, a bill that uh, my office and I wrote that did pass the legislature addressing the meth epidemic at that time did, in, did uh, provide increased treatment for incarcerated individuals in the prison system uh, and in the community. So there, 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 needs to be, uh, there needs to be more of that for certain. We know that it's not an, a cure-all, but it does make a difference to provide more services to people. Um, and, and also to show them uh, what used to be called tough love, which is say, we need you to follow the rules. We're going to give you all, we're going to give you these options, but you don't get to do just whatever you want, whenever you want, when it's impacting the people around you. So, um, you know, that combination of, of uh, compassionate uh, provision of services with, uh, you know, a, a enforcing basic norms and rules is really important. And what do you see for the future of Seattle if it doesn't address this rising population of homelessness here in the city? Well, I, I, there's no reason to think the problem won't just continue to get worse. I mean, imagine what it'll be like when there's a downturn in the economy. You know, unless we adopt a smarter set of policies uh, that address the problem across the board, I don't think the problem is, uh, is going to abate. I think it's going to become more serious. In the spectrum of challenges that the city is facing, where do you see homelessness fit in and, and why do you put it in terms of that level of importance? Well, it, it is the most pressing social problem we have right now. And when I say homelessness, is, that's a, that is also a complex of issues. It includes uh, you know, drug abuse, uh, addiction, people dying from overdoses. It includes crime. 
historically we have been we have not had as many police officers per capita in our state uh, as most places do. Uh, so I think that the police are under-resourced, uh, you know, but then again, so are services for mental illness and addiction, as I've already said. So that needs to be tackled. Fortunately, right now we have a, a fabulous economy, which is creating incredible wealth. Uh, the people who criticize big companies like Amazon absolutely astound me because these are the same people who say we need a really high minimum wage. And I'm fall for that, as, you know, so long as the jobs are available. But you can't have that high minimum wage and lift people up unless you have a booming economy. I mean, how else can people afford to go out to, to restaurants and to other places that pay minimum wage? So we need, a, we need a strong economy as well. We need to avoid policies like a head tax and an income tax, which will tend to, uh, tend to discourage economic growth in the long run. And so what is businesses' responsibility for tackling the homelessness challenge? Well, the most important thing business can do is be successful at business, at their business. Because when they're successful, they hire more people, they grow the economy, they create uh, enormous uh, uh, you know, economic effects that benefit the entire community. There are also inflationary effects like we're seeing in housing, but those can be addressed with better public policies. Uh, so that's the most important thing to do. Number two, um, you know, most businesses in this area have a social conscience and their employees go out and volunteer and they do work or they do work as, you know, as, as community project of the company. So they, could, they should continue to do that. And number three, uh, businesses need to be, have a voice of their own. They need to be politically active. They need to explain what's going to happen if we have bad policies or, or missing policies that, uh, that, that, that either hurt uh, the business climate in this area or that uh, don't produce the results we need. One of my favorite organizations in this region is United Way of King County. That's an organization that's, that's been built by companies in this area and by their, their dedicated employees. From the top, like the president of Microsoft, who's a past United Way chairman, right down to the to volunteers who go out and help the local community service organization. One of the things I love about United Way is they're not satisfied with just spending money. They demand results. And if, if a grantee doesn't get the results, they're expected to change what they're doing, so they do get the results. There's a limited amount of money. One thing I learned in politics is that left, right, or center, people, I'm talking about voters now, don't like to see money wasted. They don't like to see it spent ineffectively because everyone recognizes it's a scarce resource. person listening at home, do you have a message to them as to what they should do in order to improve Seattle? On this dimension, yeah, I think they they need to they need to become active, you know, and it. I think that our current policies are the result of too many people being silent and and allowing a minority of people to you know run the show, and uh, you know that's not a recipe for balance. Um, I think we're seeing that now uh, that that uh, a real restiveness among Seattle uh, voters and residents and and people who work in companies and run companies because they're frustrated that lots of money is being spent. The city's never had more money than it does now. Revenues are up, what, $1.3 in four years. And yet things seem to be getting worse, not better. So people want to see results. There are, people in the city are very generous. They pay high taxes. Uh, they, they, have a reason, they have good reason to expect that the money will be spent more effectively than it is right now. If they're not getting the results they want, then they need to become more politically active and put people in office who will get the results that we need. Any concluding thoughts? Well, I think this is a great topic that you're covering. I, th I think that is, 
distressing as wide-scale homelessness is right now and the associated, you know, the drug use where that's a factor, as discouraging as that can be, we're capable of effectively addressing it. You know, we're, we're obviously just as smart and dedicated and community-minded as people in Salt Lake City or New York City or other communities that have clearly done a better job of tackling homelessness than we have. Rob, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. That is all for today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. Have an opinion to share on the topic of homelessness? Reach out to me on Twitter, at Prof Shulman. I enjoy hearing the debate that these interviews spark. Next week, we continue the focus on homelessness, bringing you different perspectives on the issue. You'll hear from City Council Member Teresa Mosqueda. The time for us to unite as a city is now. The issues that have been in front of this council in the short time that I've been here um, are are the crisis of our society, not just in Seattle, but nationally. Every large city is dealing with the crisis of homelessness and housing. You will hear from noted Stop the Sweeps activist Daishi Kim Hawkins Jr. There's a point where this this world, this city is only so big. You know, what do we do when we reach a point where the the class war gets too big? You know, and, and that's that's what I'm constantly thinking about. And still to come in future episodes is City Council Member Mike O'Brien, academic experts, and noted authors Josephine Ensign and Scott Allard, and more individuals who have experienced or are experiencing homelessness. This season will help you get educated on the issues that affect you and your community members. So please subscribe to Seattle Growth Podcast in iTunes and be prepared to learn, feel, and be inspired. I'm Jeff Shulman, and I thank you for joining me on this journey in the fifth season of Seattle Growth Podcast.